HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hello, Greenhorns. This is Severin coming to you once again on this glorious spring day with Greenhorns Radio. I'm coming to you live today from Orange County, New York, where I am slightly lost on my way to Blooming Hill Farm to pick up onions and potatoes for our coming uh, celebration this weekend. Uh, the vernal equinox, as I'm sure you know, is upon us and is uh, in our veins and in our, in our hair and twinkling at the end of our noses. And I'm so thrilled to be joined on the phone today by Kim from Common Ground Farm, also of the Hudson Valley. And um, Kim, are you there? I'm here, Severin. I had no idea. You're just across the river. I know. I'll, 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 maybe I'll swing by on the way back. I'm going to Connecticut afterwards. Come on by. It's 80 degrees in the greenhouse. Beautiful. Yeehaw! So, Tim, <laughs> will you mind introducing your um, your farm and your life a little bit to our radio audience? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, I'm at Common Ground Farm in Beacon. Uh, our little corner of the world is the Hudson Valley, which is a beautiful place to uh, tend the land and grow the uh, vegetables, which is what we do. We're a 200-member uh, uh, community farm, not-for-profit CSA is our model, and um, this is my second year growing food there with a, with a beautiful crew of people. And how long has that CSA been going on, and how long have you been there? Uh, so this this season here is my second, uh, but Common Ground, I believe we're in our eighth year on this land, which is leased. It's uh, sort of was set up as a, a temporary lease, but we've never left so far. Uh, we're, we're leasing land from uh, the state of New York, um, and it's a pretty small plot. It's uh, I guess we're just over just over five acres in cultivation uh, with a very porous deer fence. Um, but uh, yeah, so yeah, we're in our we're in our eighth year as an organization. And I think it started uh, just as you know, small, like thirty-five members or so, and uh, we've grown to absolute capacity. I mean, we're growing fence to fence, and really, we're over capacity. But um, we're trying to figure out how to deal with that at the moment. Are you yourself uh, at capacity, or do you still have um, room to grow? <laughs> Good question. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I have 
so much room to grow as, uh, you know, in terms of, like, coming to this vocation. And, and I'm very young and new at this. Uh, um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've just uh, just started on, on a long path that is uh, hopefully going to lead me to some to some really interesting places. And so what... So What's stopping your farm from growing? Like, what's on either side of your farm and uh, all around your farm? And let's let folks understand a little bit the context. Um, you have so much demand for your product. Is that because there's so many uh, people living close to you? Yeah, yeah. Basically, we're in a you know we're in a small, pretty small. It's like about ten thousand, ten thousand people. Uh, fairly working class, uh, Hudson Valley town, right on the train line, so there's easy access to New York City, which which is not one of our markets. But, um, the demand in our area, in, in, in the southern part of Dutchess County, is really huge for, for what we're doing. And um, I think because it's a community farm and uh, we're focused on families and education and outreach and, uh, and participation, I guess, in a way, um, many folks that have come up here from New York City to start families and, and, you know, families that have been around here for, for a while in general are interested in, in coming to the land in this, in this new way, right? And so um, we provide that for people, and we can't, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can with all our education and outreach, but we're finding that uh, we can't grow enough food on our current plot to uh, support all the rest of our efforts. So um, we're, it's possible that we could, we're surrounded actually by, uh, I mean, we're on a state environmental center uh, land, which is good, arable land. Uh, most of it's in hay production right now. But, um, no, we're, we're constrained by, by that a little bit. I mean, it's not our own. We don't own the land, and there's all kinds of uh, constraints from the state and uh Beyond that, uh, I think we're you know we're looking at other options in in the area to have some more freedom to um, you know to grow more food and get into some different kinds of things, maybe animal husbandry and uh, more herbs and flowers. And from a grower's perspective, from my perspective, it would be really nice to have some room to experiment because right now, you know, as I said, we're growing fence to fence, and um, it's really intense production. There's not you know, we find a variety that works well, and we're going to go with that probably more likely than experimenting because we're, we're so intensely, um, our demand is so intense, and we just, you know, we can't, uh, we can't take that many chances, I guess, because we're constrained by the amount of land we have. Now, but you were, um, you're experimenting, I think, with some high, um, high tunnels last time I spoke with you. You were really excited about your high tunnels, and but then the other time I talked to you, your high tunnels blew away in the wind. <laughs> well, the, the reason for my excitement was this: uh, there was some USDA uh, grant money that became available like a month or two ago, and um, I submitted an application for uh, it be like a fifty percent match, basically, on a uh, high tunnel, so we could do winter greens production and extend our season a bit. Um, so that's just, that tunnel is theoretical at the moment, but one of our uh, greenhouses for seedling production 
it didn't blow away. It, it collapsed under the uh, under the 30 inches of snow that we got a couple weeks ago. So um, we just finished rebuilding that last week with the help of some good friends and volunteers. And uh, I'm happy to report we have, I don't know, 100 or so uh, trays of vegetables that just began sprouting like yesterday. So we're really excited to be back in production and, and we'll basically be on time, which is really exciting. So it was some reassurance to have your CSA members already know you and already trust you and you probably weren't going to get um, lynched for no early lettuces, but it's <laughs> a little bit frustrating when you live that close to the city to lose power for that many days. Yeah, yeah, we were we were out for five days, and it was I was having to hike down to the creek to get water for my chickens and um, and all the rest. It was, uh, you know, it was exciting, and I, I guess at first I was like devastated that the greenhouse collapsed, but in the end it was a huge boon. I mean, it's um, rebuilt better than ever, and um, you know, excited to have that learning experience with a couple other folks of of you know building it back and have a nice new double layer of plastic. So I think all these things happen for a reason, you know, and you just learn from them. And um, and obviously our community is psyched that on June 1st, everything else being equal, that uh, they'll still have their produce. So that's nice. Well, I just want to take this opportunity to flag some uh, relevant institutional resources. For those of you who may also have experienced some um, hoop house or high tunnel or greenhouse drama this winter, there's a wonderful article in the magazine Growing for, Growing for Market about movable hoop houses and all the ways that you can attach them firmly to the ground. So that's a very um, useful set of information that have been gathered from experienced growers for the benefit of maybe less experienced growers. And I think this winter particularly really tested all of our... Um, all of our infrastructure. Sometimes you can get a little loosey-goosey, but not for long. <laughs> so what are you doing today on the beautiful day um, right before the vernal equinox? What are all Gosh. these people who may be listening or sitting in their offices contemplating an agrarian life, what are they missing out on? <laughs> Good question. We, um, yeah, it's really exciting. I can't wait to get back out there, actually. It's just so epically beautiful here, um, but we uh, we were doing some seeding in the greenhouse this morning, and uh, then a uh, I think a field walk is on tap for this afternoon. Our fields are really really wet uh, right now from all the snow melt and uh, rain that we got after that this past weekend. Um, and on paper, we should already be uh, tilling our fields ahead of uh, early April plantings, and we're trying to figure out where and when we can get into the fields with the tractor because we are slightly mechanized for field preparations anyways. Um, uh, yeah, in general, um, what else is going on? We're looking at repairing part of our fence that blew down in the storm and um, taking the opportunity to look around a bit. There's some beautiful things happening like pussy willows and blossom and crocuses coming up and snowdrops and Lots of killdeer in the field. Um, geese are still hanging out a little bit. And, um, yeah, it's nice to see, like, a tiny, slight emergence of our garlic, which is, like, an inch high in the field, about uh, 800, 800 feet of garlic or so. 
So, um, yeah, but, th- th- you know, this week in general is like a really heavy seeding week for us. We're starting all of our brassicas, many cut flowers, lettuces, um, things like that. All the slow pokes. <laughs> yeah, the guys that um, we like to start them early and put them out early because they can, they can handle it in, uh, in most of the cases, bring that stuff out uh the first week of our CSA, which is the first week in June. Well, another thing, I'm just, you know, driving around the countryside, and there's so much water moving in the landscape, and all the brooks and creeks are swollen, and the rills on the side of the road are glittering with water, and the ice is just melting, melting, melting. And um, I'm just coming from the south, and, and... seeing the land there that is much more characterized by sandy clay and mm. um, it, the way that the water moves through the land here is very different um, and the way that it swirls in, in roundy ways um, is mm. really different and I'm just appreciating so much the incredible beauty of the, um, of the Hudson Valley in this springtime, even though they've got two weeks ahead of us and they're like magnolias and the honeysuckle are already starting to unfurl their leaves, and I mean they're really ahead down there. But this is a special place. It really is. I'll 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 take two weeks late for the for the natural beauty and and the things that we have here. That's such an interesting perspective. The the way the water moves through the landscape really it it forms so much of what we do that we don't even think about the. You know, between the soils and, and the actual curvature of the land, um, that's interesting. Yeah, I don't quite feel like I have the vocabulary to explain it. It's just, um, it's just something that I'm going to have to learn pretty soon, though, because I'm feeling it. So, all right. So now you're starting your you're starting your operation for real, and all the seeds are planted. Does that mean that you have uh, no socialite and you can't come to um, farmer parties this weekend and you have to just stay there and water every single day? <laughs> sort of, yeah. There's just two of us at the moment, and um, you know we try to we try to break up the work a little bit, but um, yeah, it kind of means that I don't have a social life. I mean, on top of the on top of the responsibilities of the farm, which are, you know, during the greenhouse season, it's it's kind of intense. We're not we're not in the fields that much, but um, Depending on the temperature and, and moisture, we're having to vent the greenhouses. You know, we're just always keeping track of what the sun or the clouds are doing, and we're having to really manage the temperature pretty intensely in the greenhouses and then also the moisture level of the seedlings. So it's just sort of it's not so much hard work. It's just sort of being around and, and being observant to those things. Um, but so, uh, you know, our organization is largely educational, so... Um, We've committed, I've committed to giving several workshops in the next few weeks, and um, there's always CSA members dropping by to sort of see what's happening this time of year and offer a hand, and um, many of those people are very generous with dinner invitations, which is like the bulk of my social life, uh, which is really exciting to get to know your community in that way through uh, shared meals of uh, food that comes from the farm, so... I'll try to make it up. When's the next event? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, there's one. There's one this weekend that um, 
we're going to be butchering the lamb. Did I tell you about mm. that already? You did. It sounded delicious. Yeah, it's going to be pretty delicious. And, um, but then, then there's going to be a little pause because we're going to be getting two events on the West Coast at the, on the, in Oregon at the Small Farmers Journal Annual Horse-Drawn Farm Equipment Auction and Swamp Meat. And wow. And then, yeah, I know it's a long title, but those people are serious about horses and our job there is to really represent the energy, um, and commitment of the young farmers that are in local to the Oregon area and to show those old timers how serious we are about taking on this with our lives and committing to learning um, what it takes to, to, to farm properly and, and seeing if we can't engage with more of those um, skills that they have been carefully um, holding guardianship over and learn about horses and harnesses and um, how how to how to manage the land properly. Anyway, and but the question I have about about your educational work is how do people who want to engage with you there at Common Ground how do they do that in the most respectful way and in the most um, fruitful way? Frugal in terms of in terms of uh, their experience, no. like if they're not from here, how do they participate? Or if they are from there, or the city, how would they participate? How what kind of courses do you have coming up? Yeah, uh, well, this Sunday we're having a breakfast potluck uh, at ten thirty at at the farm, which is like a conversation with our CSA members and the farmers about our about our model. Basically, it's about. Um, why we're a nonprofit versus a profit uh, enterprise, and um, and any questions CSA members have about uh, you know the new structure of our farm and and what's being grown there this year. Um, so that um, that's not necessarily open to the public, but a week from Saturday, uh, I'm giving a talk on crop planning at the home garden scale, and. Um, in between, we have we have some really cool classes for for children and toddlers. There's a, there's a good camp going on right now for young people. Um, other than that, if folks want to get involved with the work, um, we're always up for it. We hire four apprentices for the season, and I'm happy to report we're we're all hired out for the season. And we have what looks like a a really special crew of people coming on and committing to us for the season. Um, but uh, as you know, the work is never-ending, and we're always looking for folks that want to come out and volunteer their time and learn a little bit of something and share something with us, too. So um, the best way to do that is to, is to go to our website and get in touch with me and uh, see when an appropriate time to come out is because it's not always appropriate to be managing tons of people, um, but uh, it often is. So uh, we find that those are the really the best learning experiences for us when we're out there teaching what we uh, what we know or what we're coming to understand in our own way. That um, you know, teaching has a good way of of showing you what you know and what you what also you don't know. Um, so that's part of what I really value about being at this farm is the opportunity to, to participate in that in that process. Yeah, I feel the same way. First of all, you have to ask to be your friends if you wouldn't mind, if they wouldn't mind talking outside, because otherwise we all hear it. 
And the other thing is, I'm just so lucky to be in a community that's eager enough to learn that when I want to learn about something, I can just throw a workshop about it. And other people show up, and we get to have a party, and it's really a fantastic situation to be in when there's so many of us all wanting to learn at the same time and having that simultaneity of, um, of inexperience and delightment and so many um, teachers who are, you know, also excited to teach. I really feel like it's a pretty, it's a pretty fantastic attitude that, um, that she's in this movement that really we benefit from tremendously. And so many people are, are doing it in different ways. Like we have a field manager this year, Creek Iverson, who's committed to, um, he's, a, he's a local musician as well as being a farmer, and he's committed to providing, um, you know, a history of, of work songs and, and song shares uh, while we work in the field, uh, like from a historical perspective and an arts and music perspective. And I think that's really cool, you know. I mean, I, I've never been to another farm where... Uh, you know, where the field manager was committed to bringing music and joy to the field work. And it's so interesting how, how that, you know, how the work takes shape, I guess, on, on different farms and how the education happens, whether it's while also singing songs or making designs with your bare feet in the soil, like whatever it is, you know, those things are um, unique to each farm and, um, and really cool. Well, we as individuals have advanced our practice of farming to build an institution around our own particular inclination and our own particular intentions. And in that way, because of having the kind of land and having the larger impact of the land, we have, we have the capacity to be kind of bigger than ourselves in a way that seems to bring out some pretty... Fantastic generosity. Yeah, yeah. For the sake of the cards, since we only have the one, I'm going to just try and close. I hear lots of background noise. Yeah, I'm here. You're there, Trevor? I'm still here. Are you still there? I'm here, yep. So the other question I wanted to ask you, what is the disadvantages of intensive community practice? I know from experience... Um, doing community organizing and doing things with volunteers and committees and lots of different players that sometimes um, you just wish you were out alone in the prairie. Would you reflect on that on some of the challenges that happen um, when there's a lot of fingers in the pot? Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's something we think about every day. It's important to have, it's important to have a balance. I mean, there's there's often days during the season where, I mean, one of my favorite things to do on the farm is to put my head down with a hoe in my hand and just hoe for hours on end. It's, it's something that I absolutely love to do, but my job as a manager doesn't allow me to do that very often. Um, and, um, yeah, it's challenging, but you know, one of the reasons I'm here in this kind of organization is that I'm, at least for now, committed to... to um, providing that experience for people who are interested in getting them jazzed and excited about the work that we do because it is really hard work but it's almost always more enjoyable um, when you're sharing it with other people and so if you can find a way to, to balance like the perspective in your head of 
just wanting to either crawl into a hole or do the work on your own, um, which I think it's, it's interesting. It's like maybe it's innate in, in people who come to this vocation that, um, you know, that you just sort of need time to, like, figure something out on your own and then you want to go do it, you know, and it's, it doesn't seem like it's ingrained in a lot of farmers to to want to be managing a bunch of people participating in the same task, for instance, but um, totally necessary in a, in a community farm setting. And as I said, one of one of the reasons I'm here is to is to commit to sharing that with our community and learning learning what those people bring to the table as well. So, just press button. Well, and it seems like we all um, we all go through like a kind of a professional polyculture. And um, I like whenever something starts to think feel like it's long or um, hard, then I get reminded that things have cycles to them, and you you can start imagining your life like a field, and that you're going to grow dif- a different sequence of things in it, and it's not always going to be the same, and it's not always going to be winter, and it's not always going to be summer, and I kind of, as I'm looking and talking to all sorts of young farmers who are at different points of their farming careers, realizing that that sequence is something that we can kind of design for ourselves um, according to our sensibilities and the sequence of sensibilities, you know? Yeah, totally. And I think it, in, in addition to that, it's like interesting, and, and you've seen a ton of this um, in the making of your film, I'm sure, but that um, a lot of, I mean, everybody who comes to this vocation or, or any vocation is compelled to do it for a different reason, and I think I, you know, I was initially compelled into into agriculture from like a poetic or artistic um, impulse, and um, that was really, I mean, that was why I was so in, intrigued at first, and I find that that's changing a little bit, not necessarily into like a scientific or or investigative impulse, but it's starting to get there. I think as my as my knowledge has grown and. You know, I'm having more and more questions about things that I initially didn't, I didn't know what I didn't know, you know. And now that I know what I don't know, it's sort of like my impulse, my impulse to the, to agriculture is changing a bit. And um, I love that. I mean, I'm so in love with that process that um, forever I'm going to not know what I, what I don't know, you know what I mean? And um, I think it's, it's a, it's a neat way to grow. Well, and it's almost like um, there's this kind of mystery and magic to it, and and you circle around that mystery and magic with different ways of knowing. And I'm definitely in the whole. I'm definitely involved very much now in like the systems thinking and you know how do things happen and what are the logistics and who are the institutions that have bearing and what is the dynamic socially. But it used to be completely poetic for me too. I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. Yeah. I wonder what the next phase will be. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm curious too. I can't. I can't wait to find out. I mean, the whole. The whole thing. It's an experiment, right? That's what agriculture is, and um, there is no. There is no rule, and everybody. If you. If you've gone to two farms, you know that no two are alike. They're all different according to setting and resources and personality and interests and. Um, and. That's really exciting for, I don't know, for 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 me as a farmer, you know, to to know that um, 
the whole thing is an experiment and there is no map, you know, it's, uh, it's up to us what, what we want to do from season to season and how we want to, how we want to change with, with the growth that we see, so. Well, I think that one of the next phases for us all will be political, um, in the, we're coming up against another farm bill and we have to start preparing our thoughts and, um, sharpening our shovels in order to, um, very carefully describe the future agriculture that we would like to be a part of and tell our um, elected representatives that they ought to be supporting our work in ways that we can explain to them. So maybe one last parting thought, um, other than your website, which I would love for you to say again, would be what would be an ask that you would make um, in a world where Uncle Sam was hungry and um, excited that you were the one going to feed him? Um, what would you ask of Uncle Sam in this coming farm bill? <laughs> Boy, um, I guess in thinking about the movement, which which fascinating, you know, and and so exciting to see to see so many young people and and people whoever, young, old, whatever, people drawn to uh, agriculture. I think that. Um, I don't know, maybe especially in, in, like, the college setting, but for a lot of people it seems like, you know, you're, you're never going to be wealthy in the, ways that, um, in the ways that are, like, socially acceptable, I guess, or, or socially positive. And um, it seems to me there, there's got to be a model for, for farmers, beginning farmers, to build equity in, in a way that's fair, you know? I mean, I, I feel like I'm... I feel like my the benefits of of this profession and vocation are like so so amazing and more than I could ever ask for in like a, a lifetime or a body of work. But um, it it's, it it makes me nervous and anxious. I guess that um, in my current setting, uh, there's really no way for me to like build equity or ownership beyond like a community level. So. Um, I know there's lots of new and exciting models out there that people are, like, testing out and trying, and um, I don't know much about those, but I'm really curious. Uh, and I think, the, yeah, if I was going to ask Uncle Sam, I, I think that um, some, sort of, some sort of model that's well-supported or well-funded or whatever it is, but that uh, is helpful in, in getting beginning farmers to think of, you know, to think about, like, an acceptable level of, of care equity and, and um, for, yeah, for, for a lifetime of work, I guess. Enough capital to work with. Yeah, yeah, and, and whether, you know, whether that's, like, you know, on a community scale and borrowing and sharing and renting and leasing, like, that's all fine. I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, capital investment or even money, but um, some some sort of model that's, like, really fair to the to the people that are doing the work. Well, I, I would like to learn more about that, too, and I think those, those of us who are um, going to take on the job of, of considering what would make sense for people, what would make sense for ourselves, what would make sense to try out, and what would make sense for um, extension agencies to support, and what would make sense for land-grant universities to support. Um, that, that thinking period is beginning now, and um, 
I would really welcome anybody who wants to be a part of that thinking um, to get involved in the Young Farmer Coalition. And you can do that um, online. It's uh, youngfarmers.org. And I hope that um, I get to come and visit you this afternoon. And I think I will have time to swing through in like two or three hours if you're still around. Come on by. We'll be there till dusk. <laughs> Cool. And to the rest of our, uh, the rest of you all who are part of this conversation, I just want to re-remind you of um, this event that's going on this weekend with the Hoggett. It's at Tinderhook Farm, which is a wonderful grass-based farm that you all grass-fed beef and all grass-fed lamb. And they just got a few um, babies right now because the ram escaped and had a little fun. So there's a few early <laughs> There's a few early babies hanging around. We're going to be um, butchering the lamb, tanning the hide. Um, the people from the Flying Nature Center are tanning the hide with natural um, brain tanning. And then the Hawthorne Valley Fiber Arts Project is coming to dye the wool and the spinach. And it's the guy who is butcher. He's the Marlowe and Daughters. Guy is named Adam. And then there's wonderful chefs. And a rock and roll band is called uh, Red Rooster. And here is from the Chatham Brewery. And there's all sorts of other people I could tell you about who are local and um, from the city and some from the country, and all of whom are committed to the celebration of um, celebration of spring. So I hope you guys will talk along if you're listening today and be a part of it. It's supposed to be 70 degrees. Um, and we've got a big load of wood coming from Meat Orchard, and we've got raw milk coming from Blue Hill Farm, and we've got eggs coming from Blue Bell Farm. So all the young farmers are bringing their food, and we hope that some of you city folk will come out, too. Um, you can learn about it on our website, uh, net, and just click on events, and you have to RSVP, please, so we can um, know you're coming in. Thank you so much, Tim, for being on today and for doing what you do every day. Um, I really, really admire your work, and I um, I look forward to admiring you in person this afternoon. Well, can't wait to see you, and uh, I'll let the Buff Orpington Quartet know about the event. Maybe they'll uh, maybe they'll make a cameo. Oh my gosh, I would love it if they came. Oh, the Buff Orpington <laughs> and the Red Rooster. It'd be perfect. It'd be like real clutch. <laughs> all right, okay. I'll get off the radio. All the best to you all. Thank you. Thank you.